Welcome to Steeping Around, sponsored by the Maya Tea Company. I am your host, Manish Shah, and we are talking all things tea. Joined on this unbelievably hot day here in Tucson, Arizona, by producer Terry Clark. Well, thank you. We got to get this done early because it is. It's going to be too hot to do anything it's later. It's raging outside. Man. Oh, 109, 110 degrees projected today. Yep. It's nice in the winter, but boy, these days in the summer are really brutal. But these are the days that I remind myself, you never have to dig yourself out of snow. You never have to dig yourself out of snow. <laughs> That's always a good perspective. That's right. <laughs> well, hopefully the rest of you are enjoying a wonderful summer. Flowers blooming where you're at? Well, we're in our third in our series on flowering herbals. But this one is a little different. The first two that we talked about, lavender, which we spoke about last week, and chamomile that we spoke about the week before, those, while both flowers, are very functional. But now we make the transition to things that are just decorative. We're probably going to have a little theme here in the show about a woman's touch because for many years I did not use a lot of decorative components in our teas that we blended at the Maya Tea Company. Well, why not? You know, I just sort of always took the minimalist approach. We, uh, I was always about the tea and the flavor, and I never really paid a lot of attention to how the tea looked, mm -hmm. just how the tea tasted and using really quality ingredients. And then when Roxanne came along and Sarah came along, and they started getting on my case about the fact that our teas looked sort of just plain. Now, for those of you who don't know, Roxanne is one of our major blenders yeah really. and principals in the company she's right she, she helps us with the farmer's market and she was very instrumental in getting things righted and going in the correct direction right. on several fronts and this is one of them and sarah of course edits the show you've heard her commercials but and, also has a lot to do with the yeah, tea everybody the does it's a so. small company so right. everybody's in there right so you know when we would look at the teas from other companies they were all pretty and i thought well they're pretty but they have a lot of things in there that are like inert ingredients right they're just taking up space but as we've developed new teas, we are more conscious of what things look like. And several of the things that we use to make teas more, dare I say, pretty, are flowers. And today we're going to go over five of those types of flowers. The ones that we add into different teas, they're herbals, but we add them to regular tea as well. But they don't have a lot in terms of their health benefits, and they don't have a lot in terms of their flavor profiles. We're going to go over roses, safflowers, sunflowers, cornflowers, and malva flowers. So we're going to go through all five of those. We're going to do them in sort of rapid fashion and just kind of get you a background on all of that. And later in the show, we are going to talk about our one-year anniversary that's coming up next week. And we've gotten some ideas from you, so we're going to cover all of those things as well. I want to begin today's discussion about probably the most famous of all of those flowers, the rose. Everybody knows it. Everybody loves it. Great scent. We actually did a whole show mm -hmm. on roses, but it was about rose hips, which is actually a far more functional part of the rose than the petals themselves. I believe we did it in mid-March. Yes, it yeah. was called It's All in the Hips. <laughs> well, it's not technically all in the hips because we also <laughs> use some of the petals. Amazingly, scientists have traced back the origins of the rose to 35 million years ago. Wow. That's crazy. I don't know how they know that stuff. I don't know either. Certainly but... they do. Another fun fact, originally, roses were never found south of the equator. Hmm. 
that's a that's a little fact. But now of I course didn't know they've that been either. they've transplanted and are grown everywhere. Right. They were cultivated in Asia about five thousand years ago and quickly spread to Europe. Actually the Greeks have a wonderful story about how the rose came into existence and how it was named. The goddess Chloris discovers this body of a beautiful dead nymph in the forest and Heartbroken, she implores the help of Aphrodite, Dionysus, Zephyr, and Apollo. And she pleads with them to turn this tragedy into a beautiful triumph. And together, they turn this tragedy and create this beautiful, fragrant flower, which Aphrodite then names the rose. Isn't that a cool story? I love it. Yeah, I love these, <laughs> I love these tragedy into triumph Me stories. Too. Of course, there's a slightly darker side in the Roman Empire. In order to feed the hunger of the rich to push their wealth and their status, they forced peasants and slaves to grow roses instead of food crops, thereby creating a bit of starvation and hunger amongst those classes. The Romans were kind of famous for that, though. Yeah, they were terrible. Yes, they were. In fact, another dark side to the history of roses is the fact that in England, they had the War of the Roses, where the two factions decided to align themselves by simply putting one side having white roses and the other having red roses. And I have no idea what it was they were fighting over. I think they were fighting about roses, weren't they? No, I'm sure no? it was probably more. I think they just used roses as a matter of identifying themselves, okay. like red coats. And like ah, I see, I see. Well, in the last 50 years, roses have never been more popular. They are now grown all over the world and absolutely adored for their aroma and their beauty. And it's just the petals that we use in some of our teas. Now, there's nothing particularly interesting. Now, they do impart a little bit of flavor. Mm -hmm. So when you blend them with a tea, they do have a light floral flavor, but it's very, very mild. It's, It's not strong at all. In fact, if you were to just make a cup of rose tea, you'd probably be a little disappointed at the amount of aroma that you get from it. We have a tea called African Rose, mm-hmm. where we take rubus and honeybush. Those are both African herbals. And we blend it with both essence of rose, the flavor of rose. That's where it gets the majority from. I used to do it just that way. I remember when yeah, it was just and, plain. And then when you guys came along, you go, you know what? You really should put some roses in it, don't you think? Well, and when that happened, I noticed it made a huge difference at the farmer's market because people looked at that sample tube, they saw the roses in there, and they were like, hey, roses. That's right. <laughs> they and knew what so, it was. Even though those petals don't put a lot of flavor in there, the rose flavoring does mostly, mm-hmm. it's still really beautiful. Without the rose petals, it just looks like rooibos tea. You would never That's know. That's right, and honeybush. You can't tell what it is. Right. And so those roses really helped identify it and really brought it to the surface. No question. Another tea that we have rose petals in is one that Sarah actually created a couple of years ago for a Valentine's Day special. Aww. And of course, she had to start with rose petals. Right. And rose petals unto themselves don't have a lot of flavor. Mm. But she needed to make a great tasting tea. So she started adding ingredients. Cacao nibs for a little chocolatey overtone. Yummy. Roasted mate, as well as regular mate, which gives it a little bit uh, more body, Hmm. and also some lavender flowers. So all five of those together, fabulous little tea. Sounds awesome. I've never had it before. It's wonderful. And, you know, we generally sell a lot of it around the Valentine's Day holiday. Makes sense. But we have it year-round and called Infusion Number (laughs) 9. Like I said, just a woman's touch some days is all you need. (laughs) When we come back, we're going to go over four more flowers, safflowers, sunflowers, 
cornflowers, and malva flowers. And also, we're going to go over what we're going to talk about on our one-year anniversary coming up next week and how you can help. So stay with us. We'll be right back here on Steeping Around. Hello, this is Terry from the Maya Tea Company. You may know my voice from the show Steeping Around. In addition to producing the show, I am also the Maya Tea sales representative for the weekly Tucson Farmers Markets. One of my daily rituals is an afternoon pot of tea. Sometimes I need a little push from a strong pot of Yunnan breakfast tea to help me get through the rest of my day. And other times, I like to unwind from a busy day with a steamy mug of relaxing mint tea. The Maya Tea Company makes it easy for me to find the perfect blend to suit my every mood. So, no matter what mood you find yourself in, the Maya Tea Company has the right tea for you. And if you're not lucky enough to live in beautiful Tucson, Arizona, please visit our website at www.mayatea.com where you can browse our large selection of teas from all over the world. Remember, you can save 15% by entering the coupon code STEEP, that's S-T-E-E-P, when checking out. Otherwise, we'll see you at the farmer's markets. And remember, you meet some interesting people when you're steeping around. Welcome back to Steeping Around. I am your host, Minnie Shaw, and we are talking all things tea. Joined, as always, by producer Terry Clark. It's a pleasure to be here. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. On a show sort of themed about a woman's touch. <laughs> Definitely themed we, about a woman's touch. That's right. We are, in our fi- our th- we are in our third in our series on herbal flowers. But this is an unusual show because we're covering five of them instead of an individual flower right, for each right. show. Because these are decorative flowers. And... They don't have a lot of medicinal qualities to them. No, they really don't. But they have a beautiful look to them. They're edible. They're easy to add to teas and help pretty them up. We covered roses in the first segment, and now we've got four more to fly through. We'll begin with safflowers. Now, these are native to our region here in Arizona and in New Mexico. Hmm. And as they are sort of a desert plant, they're kind of a thistle-like annual, and their leaves have sharp spines. Many of the plants that are grown out here have a lot of protective features yes, against they do. Uh, predators and so forth. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a tall plant, anywhere from two to five feet tall. Oh, wow. And they have flowers that are very globe-like and that are a brilliant yellow, orange, or red. They are really vibrant. Now, I grew up here, and I don't ever recall seeing them anywhere. I probably have seen them you and just seen not knew what they were. The but they're stunning. Hmm. Now, you may know them as their, for their oils because the seeds of the safflower are used to make kind of a colorless, flavorless cooking oil. And a lot of buzz lately has been going out about the health benefits of cooking with safflower oil. Also, as a cooking ingredient... Sometimes safflower petals are used in place of saffron. Right. In right. fact, another name for them is the bastard saffron. <laughs> I said it. I know. I know. 
I like saying the word bastard too. It's yeah, I'm, okay. I'm not going to say it again, but <laughs> they've, they've used it as replacement for saffron because of that really uh, brilliant yellow color that it right. does add that to makes foods. Sense. You can also use those very same flowers for dyes. So traditionally, they've used the flowers for dyeing yellows and reds and khakis. And so the clothing manufacturers have used the dye that's removed from those flowers as a way to impart dye into clothing as well. But we use it in tea. Again, we try to put them into our tropical teas because those really bright yellow and orange flowers sort of evoke tropical environments. Surprisingly, for a plant that grows in the desert, we use it in our mango tea, in our apricot black tea, in our tropical greens and black teas, and also in our plum blossom. That is a white tea that we have with some jasmine tea mixed in with it and some plum flavoring. I don't believe I've ever tried that one either. That's awesome. I'm these are, learning these, all kinds of yeah, things Yeah, we today. don't always bring all of these teas to the farmer's market, but uh, they're, they're in our bigger lineup. And then we also put a little of the safflower in just to create that brilliant yellow color. It bounces off beautifully, and, and that's kind of a theme that we use. Another flower that is yellow that we continue to use in a lot of our tropical teas is the sunflower. Now, you guys probably know this pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's actually native to Central America. First domesticated in parts of southern Mexico in 2600 BC. But it has an interesting origin here in the United States as well. It was first domesticated here in Tennessee. Records seem to indicate in 2300 BC. Wow. That's a long time ago. That's amazing. So wow. so it was found here even as far back as then. Hmm. Most people know what it looks like. It's a very tall plant, four to eight feet tall. It's an annual, and it blossoms in the summer. It's just really one really tall stalk, and at the top of the stalk is this vibrant flower head. That's how it gets its name, because that flower head looks like the sun. What a lot of people don't know is that flower head is actually not one flower, but a composite of anywhere from one to 2,000 little flowers joined wow. together. And the petals themselves huh. on the outside of the flower The are next yellow. time I look at one, I'm going to have to really study it to see. Huh, I'm there, fascinated now. <laughs> there are some sunflowers that are growing at one of the farmer's markets, at the St. Philip's Farmer's ah, Market. Okay, and I'll you, go you can go. You can go look at it a little more closely and see. Is there really 1,000, 2,000 <laughs> flowers growing out of this flower head? Yeah, it's just hard to believe. It's but, amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. A lot of people use the, the sunflower seeds. They're very nutritious, easy to grow, prolific, and a great source of protein. And, of course, you can make sunflower oil. Many of you might remember <laughs> Florence Henderson of the Brady Bunch. Heck, yeah. And she did all those commercials for... Weston. Weston, where yes. she was talking about sunflower oil and how healthy that was. Which I find ironic and amusing that... Your fried food could be more healthy. <laughs> That's right. By using sunflower, sunflower oil. oil. <laughs> I don't know. We're not going to get into all the, all the, health, the health part about the sunflower oil. But what we do use is those really, really beautiful yellow petals and on the outside of the And they are beautiful. Oh, yes. And again, we're using them in a lot of our fruity mm-hmm. and our tropical teas, particularly things with peach in them. They're in our ginger peach. They're in our sweet peach white in some of the tropical teas also. And they're really stunning. They're stunning. And they they're are. long. They're beautiful, mm-hmm. long petals. So in the tea, they, they are just gorgeous. And uh, again, impart very minimal flavor, but wonderful appearance. 
the next flower that we use a little bit of is actually not orange, but blue. Corn flowers, also known as bachelor's button or blue bottle. Now, this flower happens to be native to Europe. It's a small annual, only about one and a half to three feet tall, and it has these gray and green branch stems. Now, the flowers are really quite small. They're only a half to one inch in diameter, but they're a really strong, vibrant blue. Now, it's an interesting story where the name comes from. The plant is kind of a weed, Mm. and it kind of grows in fields really wild. It's particularly fond of growing in grain fields. Really? Yeah. So it grows in fields of wheat and barley and oats and so forth. Now, in England, all of those grain fields were called cornfields. Not inherently based. Yeah. They were all called cornfields. And so, because this weed would grow in those fields, they were called cornflowers. That makes a lot of sense now. And now, because of their brilliant blue color, you can find cornflowers growing all over the world because it is quite a hardy plant. There are no good cooking uses for cornflowers, just ornamental, but they are edible. And you will find them in things like wreaths, bouquets, wedding favors. No, no not more wedding no, favors. <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about your wedding and wedding favors. I'm off that. I'm off that. I'm off that nut after the lavender Me show. Me too. <laughs> We use them in a, a couple of our teas, particularly a new one called Blue Lady Black, which is a tea that has orange and passion fruit. Mm-hmm. And unto itself, it's an amazing tasting tea. But if you looked at it, you're like, that's it? And putting in those blue cornflowers gave it a vibrancy that people were like, wow. And it has become a really good seller for us. From a farmer's market point of view, it's really the blue flowers that catch people's eye. I don't think they do anything to the to the tea no, at all, don't. but they see those blue flowers and they're just like, what is that? Yeah, Which is very, exactly the reaction very we wanted. Enticing. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I'm, getting the le- I'm, I'm getting the lesson more and more nowadays that we've got to pretty things up mm-hmm. because people choose things with their eyes, not only with their It's just their like palate. food. Absolutely. You're not going to eat something that looks blah. You're going to eat something that looks amazing. Indeed. So. Indeed. The other blue flower that we use a lot of is malva flowers. Not exactly blue. We'll get to that in a minute. It's actually known as common mallow in most of the English-speaking European countries. It is native to Western Europe, but now it's grown in North Africa and Asia and virtually all of the English-speaking countries around the world, Australia and so forth. It's a tough plant, really strong, grows about three to four feet tall. And, again, grows wild in the field, much like cornflowers. It's a perennial, and it has a tapering taproot and really woody, woolly stems. So it's got a kind of a fuzzy surface to it. It's a very hardy it. plant if it's very got a taproot. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very hardy. And it has pretty strong leafy branches to boot. Now, it prefers moist, damp climates, not dry climates. So it wants things wet. It tends to grow near the sea, in marshes, and so it really likes that humidity and that moisture in the soil. Probably wouldn't like it here, though. No, I don't think it'll grow here. No. We don't even like it here right now. No, nobody likes it. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Some people like it here right now in this weather. It flowers July through September, and the flowers can be anywhere from reddish purple to a bright pink purple with dark stripes or a bright mauve purple. That's the most popular In fact, that's where the word mauve comes from. The sort of those bright, light purple flowers, the French 
decided to name that color mauve. Well, that makes sense with the malva. Yeah. After the malva flower. Yep, yep. Again, it has no real culinary purpose. It's just decorative. It's used a lot like in the same things that cornflowers are used for in wreaths and in decorative uh, settings and so forth. You can use it in tea because it is edible. And right. you can put it in things like we put it in passion our passion fruit tea. Uh, we put it in our iced tea. And we put it in various other I teas. wondered. I didn't think I've ever seen that yeah, one. Yeah, it's probably okay. it's one that we sell more on a commercial level to large-scale buyers mm. for their iced tea. It's a, it's a pretty plant. It's beautiful. It's large. It's puffy leaves. It's not like cornflowers, which have little petals. Right. They're slightly larger petals, but they're beautiful also. Gorgeous color. When we come back, we are going to move on from flowers onto our first anniversary. Next week is going to be our one-year anniversary show, and we'd like to talk about your input. So stay with us. We'll be right back here on Steeping Around. Hi, this is Sarah with the Maya Tea Company. If you've been steeping around with Manish Shah, you've likely heard me on random radio commercials. Although I'm sure I could have had you fooled. No, I'm not a professional radio presence. Actually, I work alongside your host, Manish, during the Monday to Friday 9 to 5, pushing paper and paying bills. And like most of us 9 to 5ers, I require a daily dose of caffeine. Luckily for me, working in the tea business, there's no shortage of caffeinated teas to choose from. But I generally stick to my two favorites, Yerba Mate and Puer Tea. Yerba Mate is strong and grassy, while Puer is earthy and robust. When it comes to flavor, these teas couldn't be any more different. But I can depend on both of these to keep me on the edge of my seat, which is really a necessity when you work with a guy like Manish. You can find these wonderful teas, Yerba Mate and Puer, on our website available for sale, but that's not all. Check out the blog section of MayaTea.com for a blog written specifically on each of them by yours truly. You'll find a variety of other blogs there as well. That's right, Maya Tea Company isn't just about selling great tea, it's all about education and community. So if you like what you've heard on Steeping Around, you're sure to love what you're going to find on MayaTea.com. And if you type the word steep into the coupon code, you can save 15%. Cheers! back here at Steeping Around. I am your host, Manish Shah, and we are talking all things tea. Joined, as always, on this very hot day by producer Terry Clark. Thank you for having me here. We are going to have our one-year anniversary show next week. Totally crazy. Amazing. And I had asked all of you to send me some of your show ideas, maybe something about some favorite clips that you'd like for us to bring up. Many of you responded. You can continue to do so. Our email address at the show is steep at mayatea.com. That's S-T-E-E-P at mayatea.com for any ideas about shows in the future, any questions about tea, as well as any clips that you'd like to hear on our one-year anniversary show. Also, we have Facebook pages. If you're a fan of the show, fan us on Facebook. We have sites for both Steeping Around as well as the Maya Tea Company. And as always, please visit our website, www.mayatea.com. That's M-A-Y-A-T-E-A.com. Of course, I put out the request for 
which were your favorite shows of the year and what clips you liked best. And of course, as always, the response was, we want to hear more from your kids. Well, guess what? We have a surprise for you. In studio today are my children, my older son, Ishan. Hello. And my younger son, Devak. Hello. And Devak, the last time you were on the show, it was about six months ago. It was like in December, I think, or even earlier than that. And you didn't have any front teeth. And now you have some big choppers in place <laughs> and some new teeth coming in. Mm-hmm. I have my canine teeth and my middle teeth. Yes. So now there's no more lisp and no more whistle when you speak. <laughs> Next week, we are going to be doing a fabulous show. Ishan, can you tell us what we're going to be doing next week? We're going to take clips from um, the best shows and like have a best clip show. And we are going to highlight all of the different types of shows that we've done over the past year. Guests we've had, funny moments, and maybe some deer in the headlight moments as we look at the first <laughs> show that I was on. We haven't had any of those. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> wait till we put up the first show that you were on and how you sounded then. Terrified. It's also going to be a full house. My kids are going to be there. Sarah will be in the house. So you're going to have the whole steeping around family working in the studio next week to talk about all of these things. We hope you'll join us. It's going to be a great second year. We have so many things to cover, and we're going to get into that as well. Thank you for joining me this week, and I want you to all to remember, we have so much fun when we are steeping around with all of you. Bye. Bye. See you next week. Bye.